ladies and gentlemen, from the WB Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, it's another exciting edition of the Binge Buster Show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Binge Buster Show. I am super, super excited about this week's show as uh, the coronavirus COVID-19 is still running rapid through the world and uh, it's affecting a lot of things. And of course, I know a lot of us have a big summer planned as we are going to be planning all these concerts and big, huge wrestling events. And as you just saw just last week, WrestleMania what used to be the biggest draw uh, in uh, in pro wrestling, uh, drawing eighty to a hundred thousand people sometimes, and this time they had to do WrestleMania with no crowd, which was which was insane. Uh, that just kind of gives you the the um, the indication of just how bad this virus is. So today I'm going to have my good friend Chris Plano is coming in, and he and I are going to be discussing how the uh, virus is affecting the country and concerts and all this good stuff. So. All that is coming up right after this. In 2014, Motley Crue announced their final tour, putting an end to almost 35 years on the road. To make it official, they signed an unprecedented contract. You know I'm a dreamer. In the years since, Motley Crue became more popular than ever and gained an entirely new legion of fans who, along with diehard crew heads, demanded the band tear up that stupid contract and come out of retirement. They knew that if they were ever to stand on stage together again, that contract would have to be destroyed. Well, destruction has never been an issue for Motley Crue. gentlemen welcome to the binge buster show today's show is going to be on the motley crew stadium tour will it take place will it not take place who knows but we're looking forward to hope hopefully fingers crossed that it will be but joining me this week on this week's show is my good friend chris plano chris how are you doing my friend terrific tony i am doing great thank you so much for having me this evening it has been way too long since we've spoken and uh way overdue and uh i really appreciate you reaching out to me wanting to talk about what really is an important topic right now going on not only in the united states but around the world the covid19 pandemic and how is this going to affect concerts sporting events, just life in general, and we're going to talk about some great stuff tonight, and of course, the big stadium tour 2020 with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts screaming across the United States, hopefully, this summer, and and much more. You know, you know Chris, I, I'm, I'm kind of beside myself because I have, you know, you know yourself, I paid a lot of money to go to the, quote, Motley Crue final tour. Um, and as a big crew fan, I know a lot of people have a lot of things they, you know, their opinion, but my opinion, I do believe, uh, that Motley Crue really thought, you know, several years ago, back in 2015, 16, I, I, I do think in their heart that they believed that they were done. But I think once the dirt came out last year and blew up Netflix, 
Um, I think that got the ball rolling and got their heads together and realized that it wasn't time to retire. Oh, no, absolutely. I think if you look at, you know, Vince Neal, Nikki Six, Mick Mars, Tommy Lee, back in 2015-16, I think they were all collaboratively agreed that they were going out on a high at that point. They were at their peak. They were at a high going out on the final tour. You had the pleasure of going to the final show in Los Angeles, California. I did go to several shows along the final tour. But then when The Dirt came out last year on Netflix, not only did Motley rattle, I think, their fan base, which we know they did, but I think an influx of new Motley crew, younger fans, came into the fold as well to really what came about of what is going to be the stadium tour of 2020. Yeah, I mean that that was uh and I and I saw an interview with Nikki Six and he t- and he touched on that a little bit. He said, you know, with with the movie The Dirt coming out and that movie was was such a hit um uh, that, you know, they had the movie come out, then they done the soundtrack. So all of these, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds who didn't really get a chance to grow up on Motley Crue uh for that hour and a half that that The Dirt was on Netflix. Um, I, I know it, it didn't it didn't tell the whole story of Motley Crue because you know let, let's face it we didn't we didn't have uh, all that time to to tell all the great stories in between but it definitely hit on the high points um, of of their lives and and I think what it did it, it grabbed a hold of these younger the, like you said the younger audience and drew them in and like my gosh, I, I missed out. And even you and I, you know, we're, we're older, but, you know, we went to a lot of Motley Crue shows. But, man, what I would give to be able to go back uh, into 1981, 82, 83 and see Motley Crue when they first started because, you know, then they were really going all out to get it, to make a name for themselves on the Sunset Strip. Um, now, I have been to the Sunset Strip, and, uh, it, you know, that – that area is insane, but I can only imagine, Chris, what it was like in 1980, 81, 82, 83, when heavy metal music was really starting to hit the scene and Motley Crue, Quiet Riot, Poison, um, bands like that from LA were really uh, chomping at the bit and getting, you know, getting heavy metal music off the ground. I will say this, and I'm going to say this kind of tongue in cheek. In the early to mid-80s on the Sunset Strip, I do not think I would want to be a police officer in California. <laughs> There's no <laughs> way possible. You're right. Because <laughs> I don't think there were any rules or any laws. I, I, I think these bands did what they did when you talk about Motley Crue and, and, and Poison and L.A. Guns, and, and the list goes on and on. I think these guys did what they wanted, but they were also bringing a lot of attention not only to themselves, but to the music industry as well, and, and, and specifically, you know, the glam rock scene, right. which was obviously an explosion in, in the mid-'80s with, with MTV launching and other, um, you know, television, you know, that showed music videos. It was a perfect timing for everything with cable television, and, and they really took the ball and ran with it and really got to where they are today off of that launch. Right. And and the cool thing about um about MTV at the time and Motley Crue and all these ba- all these bands like Kiss and Poison, bands that are like, you know, very visual, um MTV was the perfect tool for that because not only 
or you're hearing songs like Looks That Kill and Shout the Devil, um, Too Young to Fall in Love, Live Wire, but you're actually seeing what, what these guys look like. And and I know myself as a little young kid, you know, starting, you know, getting into music, um, I would hear I would hear a song but not know what they look like. And then when I turn on MTV and see it, it blew my freaking mind, man. Absolutely. I mean, because back in the day, we were looking at LPs, albums, and we were looking at cassettes and, you know, tape decks. And and then when you actually put the faces to the music, to television, they were reaching a whole new audience at that point. And an audience, I think, that was so big, they had no idea the audience they were reaching. Not only were they reaching the hardcore rock music listeners, they were also reaching the general public as well. That was, and it just wasn't even the glam metal band. I mean, the, the Rolling Stones and, and Madonna and U2 and, and the list goes on and on. They all reaped those benefits that really brought them to a level of, this is more than just going to run down to the store and grabbing the latest album or magazine. Now they're right in front of me in my, living room or bedroom singing in front of me. And that's really what connected the fan to the band. Yeah, for sure. And and I think one, one of the, the coolest concepts of MTV at the time was, just like you say, you, you're actually, you know, a lot of people who couldn't afford, but let's face it, back then concerts were cheap. But but some of the, like like teenagers, maybe like, like myself, my uh, I grew up in a home where my parents were totally, more or less my mom, but was totally against, you know, rock and roll music and things like that. I remember having to like, you know, uh, get my, get my friends to make me, to make me copies, um, of, of Motley Crue because I couldn't bring the albums in my room cause she would see it, you know, and it was a devil music. And, but, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, the cool thing about that was, uh, when, when you turn on MTV, you're, you're seeing Motley Crue perform, um, and and well, not just Molly Crew, everybody, but you see them perform, and like you like you say, you're, you're getting a three minute, four minute concert. Uh, you're getting an idea of what that concert looks like that you have a ticket to go see. Because I I remember um, watching um, uh, actually, you know, my, my the fir- the very first concert I ever got to see was Motley Crew, and it was the uh, Doctor Feelgood tour. And I remember seeing like. Um, you know, I had no clue what 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 the concert was going to be like. I just knew, you know, I saw him, Tommy Lee talk on MTV, and he'd say, you know, this concert is going to be the loudest concert there is. And I remember them having several T-shirts on that tour that said, you know, the loudest you know tour on earth. And uh, and I agree, it was. But um, but I remember when I got there, man, and I'm like watching these screens come down and they had these laser lights and they had Alistair Fiend up there. And if, and if you, you people listen, if you don't know who Alistair Fiend is, you need to go back and do some Motley Crue research, but they had Alistair Fiend up there and he was like telling the story of how Motley Crue got started and, and how they, you know, and it like went through uh, and told like each album. And now, you know, here we are, the, the most evil, wicked and powerful album to history of yet Dr. Feelgood. And, and then he starts laughing and then, uh, all of a sudden you, you hear the cymbals hitting and then you hear, uh, Mick Mars cranking, kickstart my heart. And then, uh, explosions go off and Motley Crue come up out of the, or, you know, not Motley Crue, but like Nikki, Tommy, I'm sorry, Nikki Vince and Mick blew up out of the floor and man, it blew my mind. And on that show, if you remember Mick Mars had his guitar was like a mirror 
And when the laser lights would hit that mirror guitar, it would bounce all over the show, all over the, the stadium. It was insane. And as a 16-year-old kid, I was like, my mind was blown. And I'm like, my gosh, what have I been missing all these years, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and they were bigger than life. When you saw them on television, that's really what it was all about. They were bigger than life. And, you know, when I think of certain bands and, and you're talking to Motley Crue, you know, when I was watching MTV Universe came out, I look at the bands like the Rolling Stones or Van Halen coming off of the 1984 album. They were bigger than life. And even a couple of years later, Bon Jovi with the Slippery One Wet album. And, you know, running across the, you know, the, the steel structures above the stadium on, you know, lay your hands on me. I mean, that was bigger than life. I mean, and then you wanted to be a part of that, to be a part of the show, whether you were watching from home or the other way to be a part of it was to go watch them live when they came to town. Because mm -hmm. their promotion on television helped support their tours and albums back in the day. That's really how it was. This was way before pre social media was even uh talked about oh yeah because you know i and i remember back in those days you know in the 80s um you know you had the concerts you'd have pro wrestling and i remember you know coming back i couldn't wait to get to school on monday to tell my friends about what i saw happen at the greensboro coliseum saturday night with the rock and express midnight express dusty roads and all that because like you say there was no social media you know you didn't have a clue who you know if, if if there was a big wrestling event like back then there was a Starcade and the Great American Bashes and WrestleMania, but you didn't know who won what for at least two weeks because you know the the, the television was on a two week uh, you know a two week rotation, but not only that, like you said, there was no social media, so you had no idea unless somebody went and could share that with you, and and I think what MTV actually done was was give us that. Um, you know that, like you said, you can you can see what this Doctor Fuga tour looks like. Now, man, I gotta buy a ticket to see what the frig T Tom Lee was doing with that drum set because it looks to me like he's riding on on some speakers. When in that, when in reality, he had like these you know forty forty inch, fifty inch, whatever it was, subwoofers. His drum kit that went above the crowd. He played like old music and played the drums to it. It was freaking amazing. It, it absolutely is amazing. And, and you touch on something just, you know, a few seconds ago where, you know, when you look at rock and roll and you look at wrestling, there was a total connection there back in the, in the eighties and even to the nineties, even wrestling, they were off going off that same formula as the music industry was where, you know, you'd have to watch the wrestling on television every week and you watch all the matches and all the interviews and all the feuds. And then all of a sudden, it's coming to your town. Yeah. It was a marketing tool for television and also the monthly magazines that came out for wrestling where drew you to go to the local arena or where if they came in your particular state to go watch them because they were live in front of you. So it was really a sounding board for many different industries. But I think when you look at rock and roll and professional wrestling, I really think they made the most of both cable television into the beginning of what was um, simulcast pay-per-view and really brought an audience in that kind of captured, you know, their market just overall. And they capitalized on it at the end to maximize sales and exposure for all genres of both wrestling and music. 
Right, I agree. And and now get, getting back to uh, to the dirt, uh, it, when when this movie came out, um, it it gave the it gave the people an in depth view of the life of Motley Crue of how they started out, you know, in the you know from from nothing and blew up to you know to be the, the biggest band in the world. Um, and you had an hour and a half to, to find out all the ins and outs and the, and the the, the 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 rise and the falls of Motley Crue. Um, looking back at that movie, Chris, what was a what 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 do you think was 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 some of the highlights of, of you that you watched that really stood out in your mind? I, I, I mean, you, you know, I read the book. I watched uh, you know I watched the movie. Um, you know, what stands out to me overall, and I think what draws me in, I think, because at the end of the day, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the band. Yep. I'm a fan of the music. I'm a fan of the 80s. You know, those guys lived the life. I mean, <laughs> they had the money. They had the girls. They had the roadies. I mean, all everyone was following them. I mean, they were on top of the world. And I think that's what gives me my high when I'm watching that because it's something that, you know, I would probably never experience or, or try to experience. And, and, and to go to town to town to, to set up, to put on the performance, to break down, the, you know, traveling all night to the next city. And, you know, those guys were living the dream that everyone else wanted to live. You know, so we were kind of somewhat vicariously living through them. Yeah. And I think just all the stories, like the road stories and, you know, the, the gags they played out and, you know, just in general, even the feuds they had. Motley Crue had a lot of, you know, some animosity at times internally, whether it be with Vince or Tommy or Nikki and, and whoever was going on. And I know Mick was kind of the silent one the whole time, but. There was also a lot of animosity, you know, at times, but they kept it together for the better cause of the band. But I think that's what drives me the most is, is just the overall above and beyond the concerts, everything they had to deal with as a band. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things about Motley Crue, Motley Crue was the Ric Flair of, of rock and roll, you know, um, because if you go back, if, if you go back and and if, if you've ever heard any or heard anyone tell Ric Flair stories, you could put Ric Flair in the same room with Motley Crue. Take, but, of course, take away the drugs because we all know Flair never done drugs. But Flair was chasing the women. He was having the parties. He had money to burn. And that's pretty much the way Motley Crue were, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Ric Flair lived Ric Flair in his day and he lived it every day while he was on the road and, and he portrayed the character both in the ring, outside the ring, wherever it was. And Motley Crue did it the same way. Motley Crue did it a lot more harder, obviously the alcohol, the drugs, um, you know, but a lot of it was driven to them. I mean, they probably didn't ask for a lot of it, Motley Crue, you know, but at the end of the day, they were living the life. They were, they were living you know, the dream and that's yeah. what they did. I mean, they played the tunes and they were just on a high and they just rode that wave, you know, the, the whole, their whole career, you know, but, they, and, but they also had some problems along the way as, as well. I mean, they, they definitely had some, 
tough times going into the early 90s when they broke up and Vince went out on his own and guys weren't talking to each other. And, you know, so, I mean, they definitely hit some roadblocks along the way as well. But to where they are now, it's still the original four. And there's not many 80s rock bands that could say it's still the original four or five guys still on stage knocking it out. No, you're right. And, and you know, uh, one of the cool things, um, uh, so some of the highlights in, in my my mind that I, I can you know take away from the from the movie, and um, well not not really movie more more or less the book the dirt uh, was a story in there that uh, that that Nikki told said that you know that when they were on the girls 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 tour they were so messed up that they felt like they were untouchable they didn't care and Nikki and Tommy are riding the bullet train in Tokyo. And Nikki decides to friggin' fling a fifth, a fifth of Jack Daniels, you know, and it smashes over over this, you know, little uh, Japanese guy and his wife. And then when the train pulls into the train station, they got the friggin' militia out there taking Nikki and Tommy to jail. Well, the, well, the, well, I'm sorry. Uh, the the way the story goes, Nikki was getting arrested, and Tommy, being his buddy, says, "Hey, brother, I'm not letting you go to jail without me." He punches one of the cops. Now they arrest him, take him to jail, uh, and then they, they and then th- this is this is the thing that blows my mind. They're sitting in the in the in the police department, you know, and they're arrested. And the way they got they got thro- they got let go was all all Nikki did uh, his his um uh the the guy with him his tour guy um his translator says uh, he tells the police officer he tells the, the chief oh you know the bottle slipped out of his hand nikki thinks that tokyo is the greatest country or you think thinks japan is the greatest country in the world and they let him go because of that because he said that but nikki didn't even say that you know and that's a, that's what's right. so crazy you know and that that story blew my mind but there were so many stories um in that book I, i've read the book twice and and I remember leading up to my trip to L.A. the first time. I've been to L.A. twice. The first time I went out there was for the final tour or the final show. Uh, me and one of my good friends went out there for for the three or four days. And all we did was like I did research, and and this was like my total accident, Chris, because I I knew nothing about L.A. going up until this point. But just so happened, you know, I ended up booking a hotel which was on Hollywood Boulevard. Right. And so we get there at like one in the morning when we finally get to LA because our plane was delayed and then, then they put us on a wrong plane, but whatever. We finally get there. Well, by the time I get there, I've slept on the plane. I'm wired, ready to go. So I tell my buddy, let's go find some food. We pull out of our hotel. We go to the next light, which is a block away. I take a right. I look up and I'm like, dude, that sign says Sunset Boulevard. He goes, we're on the Sunset Strip. And we lost our freaking mind. I said, we're going to go find the whiskey a go go. We're going to find, you know, Mot- the Motley Crue apartment. And we did. One o'clock in the morning, man, we're driving down Sunset Boulevard. And Chris, it was like nine o'clock on a Saturday night downtown Charlotte. I mean, people was everywhere. And I told him, I said, man, could you imagine what this was like in the 80s if it's like this now? Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, those are great stories. Those are gr- those are great stories, and 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 I mean, just to be a part of it, and just to be there is, I can't even comprehend. Yeah, <laughs> to even be there, I wish I had the chance to go, and hopefully one day I I, I will. 
but I've got a good story for you. Okay. And you might have seen on, on one of my recent posts this past week, you know, summer of, I probably saw not Motley Crue, but Vince Neil at probably one of his lowest points of his career. When, you know, in this, I go back to summer 1993 when Van Halen was on the Right Here, Right Now tour. They were probably the biggest thing in, in all of rock and roll at that point mm-hmm. on that tour. And Vince Neil was opening up for them because he left Motley Crue. Right. At that point. And he went out on his solo stuff. And I told my friends back then, I don't know where you were in, in, in the summer of 93. I didn't know you way back then, Tony. No, I was but, still in high school. <laughs> right. I was in college at that point at 22 years old saying, we need to go see this because I was telling my friends, Motley Crue may not be coming back together. They were broken up at that point. Right. Vince left the band. Nobody was talking to each other. I mean, it was hard times. And I was like, who knows if Vince Neil's going back? I mean, back then I didn't know, you know, back then bands toured forever. And Right. Yeah, you know, me too. Yeah, me too. You know, but this could be the last. So we went. So, and, and, and Vince played all the tunes. He played all the Motley tunes. He played all the tunes everyone wanted to hear. And he was, you know, back then in the early 90s, and he, and he threw a couple of his solo hits in, or solo new releases in. Mm-hmm. And then you got, you know, Sammy Hagar coming out with, you know, you know, Alex Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen and Michael Anthony, and they're blowing the roof off with Right Here, Right Now, which was gigantic. Yeah, I remember that. You know, back then. And, and you know. So talk about going to a concert with a tale of two tapes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just incredible to see because I actually went to that show, one, because I wanted to see Van Halen, don't get me wrong, but two, I didn't know if Motley Crue would ever even get back together at that point. Right. I remember that, Chris. And and, and going back a little bit further than that, I remember um, in 91, um, I had I had, cha- I had moved schools, okay, changed schools, and I went – so the original school I was at was um, a little te- little school called East, East Davidson High School, and mm-hmm. everybody that went there was all about heavy metal. I mean, I had so many heavy metal friends there. You know, we all had our mullets and our long hair and wear our jean jackets and our uh, and our leather jackets and our crew shirts and ripped up jeans. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we we were cool dudes, right? And I decided to change schools. Of course, dummy me, you know that. This this right here is a terrific Tony story. Before terrific Tony was terrific Tony, but I changed schools to be with my girlfriend, and um, dumb mistake. So I went from this really cool school to this hillbilly school, kind of. I mean, there were a few metalheads there, but there was more Garth Brook type guys there because it, you know it it was it was it was, it was the, the school was like based around you know a lot of tobacco farms and 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 mm-hmm. and actual farms. You know? So good old country boys, nothing wrong with country. I like country music as well, but I'm just saying. I, it was a culture shock for me, but so I get there, I'm trying to find guys there, you know, that are in the Motley crew, but there wasn't very many. It was, they, it was kind of a mix that either, they either were, were Metallica heads or they were Garth Brook heads. I mean, there was no, very few people there like Motley crew. And, uh, so I thought, well, that's the end of Motley. So the, the Dr. Fuga tour had just ended and it was about a year break. 
And then they came out with a decade of decadence. And I remember I, I was at my girlfriend's house and we we're on the couch hanging out, watching the MTV. And, um, and, uh, I remember Paula Abdul, one of Paula Abdul songs had just went off uh, MTV and the, the VJ there, uh, what was his name? Adam, um, uh, you, oh, Adam. Oh, yeah. Remember Adam? I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the blonde-headed dude. So so he sits right. there and goes, coming up next, fans, um, we're, we're going to be debuting the very the, the brand-new Motley Crue tune. And I said, wait a minute, did he just say Motley Crue? And she said, I think so. And I started ignoring her because I wanted to see this Motley Crue song. And she, I remember her getting mad. Like, you you know, you're not making out with me. But but the that was when the video um, Primal Scream came out. And uh, Right. Man, I said I'm going to get this album, and I left her house and went straight to to um, back then it was um, Westchester Mall. Drove straight to Westchester Mall to the music store and got the tape, and I was like, man. And um, but I remember the album came out, and then uh, it wasn't just a few months later. I was I was at of course at school, and it was where my my story comes in at where you know nobody there listens to Motley Crue, but this one dude in my class, and he was a very heavy metalhead. He played in the band, he still does, but um, he comes up to me, he goes, Tony, man, you're gonna be you're gonna be devastated when I tell you the story. And I said, Why? He goes, uh, Motley Crue fired Vince Neil. I'm like, You're stupid. I said, You're you're lying. Yeah. He goes, No, man, I'm serious. He goes, I saw it on the, on MTV last night. He's like. That Motley Crue and and Motley Crue has fired Vince Neil. I'm like, I don't believe that. And sure enough, that it was it was the case. Well, during that time was when I started in '93, which was when they um they 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 fired him. But that the summer of '92 was when I started my pro wrestling career. I started training, and I had kind of you know kind of got out of the music and 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 everything for a while and got back into wrestling. And, um, but then I remember the, um, what, what I thought blew my mind so much was the fact that Motley Crue fired or quote fired Vince Neil, but Vince Neil came out with an album before, before the new, you know, before the new crew album came out with John Karabi. And, mm-hmm. and unfortunately I think the Vince Neil album done a whole lot better than the Motley Crue album. Wow. It could be, do do a, do a, do you remember that like like the 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 Vince Neil album, you know he had a couple songs off that off that first album that were actually on a couple of movies, but right. it's, it seemed like the Motley Crue album that came out it didn't come out for a couple like like Vince Neil's album came out like ninety two, correct it did come out in ninety two yeah but the Motley Crue album never came out to ninety four and by the time it came out the grunge the grunge had had really came out. And was like mm-hmm. burying all the hair, the hair metal bands. Now, I'm 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 I'm, I'm going to tell you this from me from my opinion. I think that if Nikki Vince and Mick had a call that band anything but Motley Crue, that album would have done tremendous. I think. You're probably right. I. I, I mean, wow, you're deep in the vault. Let me hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I, um, I know I know we're kind of getting off off subject because I know I want to talk yeah, about no, this. No, but no, but, absolutely, you're absolutely but right. I'm building up for this, day. but I mean, yeah, because Vince, Vince was trying to. I, I don't know. I think Vince was in a mindset. He was trying to promote his solo stuff at that time, and I don't know how much others, the three other members of Motley Crue, were really doing because I don't know what was going through Vince's mind because he might have thought 
he had a solo a chance at a solo career, or maybe even another band might have picked him up. Yeah, uh, as a lead singer along the way, aka Sammy Hagar with Van Halen. Right. Yeah. You know, so you just don't know going back then. I mean, those guys were so young back then. I mean, there could have been a myriad of different routes they could have went. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. I, I, but at I the end of the day, like, it always seems they always went back together. Yep. Yep. And 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 I and and what what was neat about the story of Motley Crue getting back together, it was Vince Neil's manager and Motley Crue's manager who said, guys. All y'all's albums are sucking. Nobody's coming to the shows. Do you see the problem here? The problem is you guys need to get back together. And once they right. did in 97, they got back together and they freaking blew up again. It was like the the, crap, the the fans were back. And I remember, you know, talking about wrestling, I remember uh, during the Monday Night Raw, uh, Vince Neil used to, or Vince, Vince Neil. Vince McMahon used to every week have have a new act come on Raw and play a song live and but I remember he brought Motley Crue out one night and Motley Crue sang a couple of songs and DX came out and introduced Motley Crue so you so not only you got the hottest band in the world but you got at the time the hottest tag team group in the world the the, the DX man what the great TV right there right and I, and, it, and it's a crossover of fans. Right. WWF is getting fans that they may normally not get from the rock industry. Yep. And vice versa. But if you, if you go back. The rock industry reaping fans from the wrestling industry. Right. But also, Chris. That if, they if, may never get exposure to or maybe just partial exposure to. Right. And, and if you go if you go back to 97, you know, 97, you and I both were uh, promoting wrestling shows, uh, two, two different companies. But at the time, um, the, the same people that were going to Motley Crue shows were the same people going to, to WWF shows because at the time, WWF was real edgy, just like heavy metal music is. Oh, it, oh it, it totally was. They were definitely on the cutting edge back then, WWF, and they were really pushing the envelope with not only their, their product, but and just what they were doing overall to bring in, you know, a different genre of, of, of a fan base beside the existing one they already had. Cause you know, they moved on from Hulk Hogan by then you had the WCW versus WWF wars going on. You had the rock and Steve Austin in the mix. You had a whole lot of things going on and they were trying to just differentiate themselves of, you know, who was the better, who was the better Monday night <laughs> war yeah. attrition pretty much is what it came down to. Yeah, exactly. Um, but now, uh, moving forward, decades later, Motley Crue's played. But who would have ever thought that in 2020 you would get three? Now, I, 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 I'm not leaving Joan Jett out, okay? But, but let's let's face it. If you if you want to talk about the the two uh, three of the the, the most top, uh, I can't talk three of the top bands of the 80s, Poison. Def Leppard, Motley Crue, the chance to have just those three big bands on one bill is amazing. But it's even more amazing to have that in 2020. Tony, at the end of the day, it's the hottest ticket in town. Bar none. Period. You're Bar getting none. Bar none. Motley and, Crue with the original band. You're getting Joe Elliott up front with Phil Collin and, 
you know, Vivian Campbell with Def Leppard, and you're getting the four original members from Poison. Four original I mean, members of Poison, four original members of Motley Crue. I mean, it, it doesn't get much better than that. And and just like Brett Michael said in an interview, he said, you know, on this tour, he said if he wasn't booked on this tour, he would buy a ticket to come see it just because, he said, you know, how often do, do you get two big bands, but you getting three. Um, but, but, but with that being said on the downside of that is if you want to see that you got to come out of your pocket. Now let's, let's face it. Those ticket prices, I know they're being scalped. We know that, but those ticket prices are insane. And right now I was noticing, I, I done a little research, the stadium tour with Motley Crue, Poison, Def Leppard, and Joan Jett is actually 90% sold out all over the world. It is because it's 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 going to be a once in a lifetime event. It's it's probably going to ha- it'll happen in 2020, maybe a little beyond 2020. But to say that this tour, say five years from now, can happen in 2025, I'm going to say no. It's not going to no. happen. No, I think it's a once in a lifetime event. You're going to get your 80s music fix, and and Chris all in uh, one night. And it's of- a great. Yeah, and think it's about a great mixture of music across the board. Mm-hmm. I was about to say, th- think about this for a minute. Think about all the number one hits or number two hits, big hits. Let's just say big hits from all three bands. I mean, if uh, you if you took just the hits uh, and put them out there, you're uh, still getting if 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 each band just played their hits, not not played anything in between, just played their hits, you're still getting a tremendous amount of music. But let's face it. Poison, uh, Def Leppard, and Motley Crue—they're—they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're all three. Okay, they're all three big bands, and I think each night each band is going to try to outdo themselves. So, oh, so as a fan buying a ticket, I think you know I know a lot of people talk junk about oh he don't sound this and he don't sound that. And, you know, but listen, at the end of the day, you go into the stadium tour, you're you're going to see probably the the, the best concert ever. Absolutely, it is. It's 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 going to be. It's the concert of 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 the two thousands. I mean, it's the stadium tour. I mean, I other there's a couple of eighties bands that have done the stadium tour thing. The what you know the last couple of decades, but to put something together like this, and you're incorporating Joan Jett as well. We know it's not the original Black Hearts, but hey, she's still up front on the mic. You know, you're going to get six, seven hours of rock music that, you know, it's priceless. Yep. It's like, it, it brings me back to the day where I would put a few quarters or a dollar bill in the machine and let's hear the tunes play when Just we're out, you know, run. having a good time. Yep. I, I tell you, and the, uh, that's what it is. And you're, and you're going to, you're going to have the ability to say, I was there. Yep. I was there. And I went and saw it, whether it was one show or two shows or how many shows you want to hit on the tour. I was there and because I really don't think, especially Motley Crue of those four bands, after this tour, I just don't know the future of them. And I say that right. with because of Mick Mars. Yeah, yeah. And and I'll tell you, this stadium tour is is like going is it's it's like a concert heaven. I mean, you know, absolutely. I mean, this is like you know, 
uh, like you say, if if you don't make it, if if you want to see Motley Crue, I think this is going to be the tour that that you need to buy your ticket to go see. Um, but with um, with uh, with with this coronavirus hanging over our heads, shutting down everything, um, it leads it leads to a lot of speculation that that this tour may not actually get even off the ground. Um, and the the downside of this. If, if that happens, not only you and I, Chris, won't get to see them in Charlotte, but the worst part is coming from the band. Uh, I read a thing online just the other day that um, if the tour does get canceled, now this isn't counting Poison, this isn't counting Joan Jett, this is just Motley Crue um, and Motley Crue and Def Leppard. But if this show gets canceled, they, they're going to lose each $120 million. And that is significant for their for their careers to where they are age wise in their careers. It's significant, and listen, it's not just the band members losing that money. Let's not forget about the roadies and the guys that right. support them, and the lighting guys and the rig guys. I mean, it, it, it trickles down even to the guys driving the trucks from town to town. Yeah, I mean, so I, I you know I, you know, I saw it, a post. It, I seen a post the other day. Um, where, where, where somebody, somebody like, like, you know, uh, when, when I read this, said, you know, Motley Crue and Def Leppard to lose 120 million each. Um, and then somebody commented and said, well, how can they lose something that they, they don't have? Well, here's the thing. You got to think about this now. Yes. These, these guys have got money coming in all the time because they're always doing something on the side, but they're always getting the, royalty, uh, the, the, the royalties things, always right. coming in. Exactly. Right. But at the end of the day, um, they, you know, it's it's just it's just like you and I, you know. Every every individual, we say, okay, at the end of this year, we're we're gonna make thirty, forty, sixty, eighty, whatever thousand dollars. Well, in our mind, we're, we're you know we're, we're banking on that money. Well, if our company shuts down or our job goes away, well, we we lost that we we lost forty forty grand or fifty grand or whatever it is. It's the same thing here, you know. Uh, Motley Cruz, um, their their income depends on these tours. And that's correct, and that's that that's where they get a lot of their money from. But but this 120 million is not just split four ways between Nikki, Vince, Tommy, and Mick. Just like you say, it's paying the whole production. You know, the producers, the 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 stagehands, the truck drivers, the, everybody. Um. So right. so the the thought of them losing that much money it blows me away. On one sense, but on the other sense, from from a from a um from a selfish standpoint, I'm like, dang it. I was at the last Motley Crue show. I want to be, uh, you know, at, at the, you know, at the reunion show. And right. it may not happen, Chris. It, it, no, and it may not happen, but listen, the good thing is at this point at April 14th, right? Today's April 14th. This, the, the tour is still on They're yeah. They're holding tight. At least at this point, I think some shows may be postponed. I think they're going to take it market by market yep. to see what's happening. I think they're going to do everything in their power to salvage the tour. And listen, I think if it even bleeds into 2021, I think that's okay. Yeah. I think the fans will still come out oh, no yeah. matter what. I know I will. And, 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 um, and, and it probably is going to bleed into next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think so too. And, but but I also know that um, that 
that it's just not, you know, I, I know we've uh, been talking a lot about Motley Crue, um, but uh, it's not just Motley Crue's tours that, that are being put on hold or canceled. I I, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing tons, and I, and I, I know uh, before we went on air, you, you, you were telling me that uh, you've done some research, and there's a lot of other bands that, that are looking to possibly have to cancel their, their, their tours as well. I mean, Tony, I was looking earlier today, um, and for the listeners out there, L.A. Times article headlines concert industry could lose $9 billion in 2020 due to the coronavirus pandemic. Nine, not $9 million, $9 billion overall. That's significant. Big time. That's, that's affecting every band across the board. We're not just talking rock and roll. We're talking rap, top 40, pop, country. We're talking everyone. Right, yeah. You, it's it's, it's definitely going to be insane. $9 billion? And it's not just about the the um, the industry losing $9 billion, but think about all those people that could be working, making a wage at those concerts. And I'm talking the ticket takers, working the concessions, the merchandise sellers, the security. You're talking people that make livings at this stuff at the arenas and the outdoor venues. It, 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 it's more bigger than just the $9 billion. Yeah, for it, sure. You're talking, you're talking the economy. Yeah. At, at that point, and the people that work in the management offices and the front office and the ticket office. And, you know, so it, it goes much deeper than just looking at the artists making all the money on the stage. You know, yep. for some of those people, they're just trying to make, you know, a weekly or monthly wage to put food on their table. Yeah, for sure. And it, I mean, it's, it's going to get, um, it's definitely going to get a whole lot tougher, um, as, as this, uh, stay at home order, uh, continues, uh, the longer it gets, the, the, um, the more, um, severe it's going to be when it comes to businesses um, but I, I think right now uh, the entertainment business, uh, the bars, restaurants, they're definitely the ones you know being hit the hardest because the, you know you know with stay at home order, nobody's getting to go out and be entertained. So right now our only entertainment is you know uh, uh, watching television or listening to the radio or you know or, or keeping ourselves busy you know like like you said before we went on air, you know doing doing stuff around your house. Um, but you know, it's, it's crazy, but I'm, I'm, my fingers are crossed. I'm hoping that at least by the end of April, 1st of May, uh, we can maybe get back to a normal life. And I know the, uh, the, uh, stadium tour is, is set to hit, um, Charlotte in July. So we uh, may be okay at that point, but I know in May, I've, I've got a huge wrestling event that I'm booked on that I've been waiting to do my whole entire wrestling career. And I don't get, I don't want to let any any secrets out, but, but I, I have the opportunity to, uh, to work with, uh, with, uh, two, two of my favorite people in the world that have been to the big, that have been to the big dance more than once. Um, and I'm excited to be able to be part of that. But on the other hand, I'm worried that it's not going to happen because of this, uh, stay at home order. Absolutely. Tony. Hey, listen, I know you've got some great things happening on the, 
you know, professional wrestling side of things, and, and you got some things brewing in 2020, you know, that you've had on the front burner, and you might have to put to the back burner and, and may have to alter those plans, but you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, look at me. Hey, I've got, I've got tickets for the, for uh, the stadium tour, and hey, I've got hotel nights booked Friday and Saturday night, two blocks from the stadium in downtown Charlotte on Jan- July 10th, 11th. I don't know if the tour is coming. It's not coming. Right. So yeah. we people, we got money invested in this, but you know, it's like, you, you, where, where does it end? I mean, because there's a lot of uncertainty out there and there's a lot of things kind of just spinning in the air and we have no, the, the crazy thing is we have no control of it. It's right. kind of a scary, eerie feeling. Yeah, for sure. But I know, um, if, if, if any of you people out there follow, uh, any of the members of Motley Crue on Twitter, I know I do. And, um, Tommy Lee's still saying, Hey man, the tour's still on. Vince is still training. And by the way, I've, I've seen a few videos and he looks like he's getting in excellent shape. Nikki's in great shape. Mick, uh, you know, uh, no, we, we haven't heard anything from Mick. Of course, that's nothing new because Mick's always been that way, which is okay. Um, but, the guys are still, you know, they're 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 still training. They're they're still in rehearsal. I, I saw today where uh, Tommy had posted that he and Nikki, um, you know, are um are you know have 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 been collaborating together as far as ideas for the stage show, and that Tommy says that that now since they're they're in the process of putting together this tour, that uh that f- for the first time in a long time. All four members of Motley Crue are talking on a daily basis, so uh, you know I, th- I think it's a good thing. Um, I couldn't imagine being in a band this big and you know not not speaking to each other until we get to the venue. I know that happens a lot in pro wrestling, but you know that's that's a totally different thing. I know in the past when I've had partners, tag partners, or people that I work with all the time that I you know I consistently you know talk to them on a daily basis or whatever. Now not not as much. Um, so I, I can kind of understand a little bit, but someone like Motley Crue that you uh, are in con, you know, have done so much with uh, to to not speak, not you know, it blows my mind. But I know everybody needs needs to to recharge their batteries. But I'm excited to hear that that they are you know talking every day. Uh, that's definitely a um, a uh, step in the right direction. Uh, and I think if this if this tour goes on. Uh, Chris, I think I think th- this is definitely going to be probably the hottest um, uh, or the best uh, Motley Crue show that I think we, that we've ever seen. Oh, no, there's no doubt they're going to pull out all the stops. But but all four bands are going to pull out all the stops. I mean, they're yeah. they're going to have to just because of what's going on in the world and in the world we live in today. So yeah. they're going to want to put on the best show possible. But with that said. I also think what's happening both in the world and, and, and around us is maybe bringing the band together a little bit more. Hey, let's talk. Let's open up. Let's be a little more sensitive to each other. Let's communicate. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, Mick is Mick. Hey, I've seen some recent pictures of, of uh, Vince. He easily looks 20, 25 pounds lighter. Yeah, Minimum. for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Minimum. You know, Nikki's Nikki. And, and, and it's Tommy, Tommy is being a little more vocal than he has in the past. He's always been kind of a, you know, um, you know, quiet. Opi- he's been very opinionated. Let's not get that wrong. Yeah. But, 
you, you know, you know, Tommy's Tommy, and, and that's okay. But at the end of the day, they're keeping the tour alive, and I'm in my heart. They will fulfill all the stadium dates along the tour, whether they get postponed. They 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 pick certain markets based on what's happening with the with the COVID nineteen pandemic. But I think at the end of the day, when it's all settled, done, and the dust settled, they will cover all the cities that they were contracted for prior to. Because I think at the end of the day, that's the way they want it to be. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I and I'll tell you tell you people some other stuff too. If uh, if you want some great entertainment, uh, you need to download the app TikTok and go follow mm-hmm. and go follow Tommy Lee. Because I'm telling you, this dude is off the chart on some of these little videos he posts. But the other day, Chris, he posted one with his wife, and it blew my mind. It was the funniest thing I ever heard. So his wife is sitting at, you know, she's sitting at, at a table on the computer. He walks into her, and he says, hey, babe, do you know you're the only one I've ever dated? And she looks at him and goes, that is not true. He goes, oh, yeah, baby, because uh, the rest were nines and tens. I thought that was hilarious. Wow. <laughs> She's like mean, but it was it was hilarious. Um, the you know, for good him, stuff, good stuff, but great stuff. I mean, but you know, like you say that you know this day and time since since we're shut in, we're all having to find something new to occupy our time, or or maybe not new, maybe old. I mean, I know myself. Um, I've I've went out and I've I've you know I've updated the the recording studio. I've went out and got. Um, you know, a lot of new equipment, a kind of new computer, um, something that's faster. And, uh, so now I'm, I'm able to, to, to spend less time editing my podcast and getting it out there a whole lot quicker. And I know this week I'm excited because I'm not only having one podcast, but I'm having two. So I got this one today and then there'll, there'll be another one released later on in the week. Um, so I'm, I'm going to try to start if I can do, do two a week instead of one just to give the people something to entertain, to listen to, um, and hopefully to uh, to uh, teach people stuff you know that that they may not know, um, which I think is cool. But I always enjoyed uh, doing doing podcasts with you. It seems like you you and I have great chemistry together. We're able to uh, stay on uh, well somehow stay on track. I know a lot of times I get off I get off subject because I my, my mind goes a thousand miles an hour. But um, but I'm I'm you know. I'm I'm excited about about the stadium tour. I'm excited about um, all the stuff going on this summer. I'm just hoping that that we get to fulfill that and get to do that because um, it's it's going to be amazing. Absolutely, Tony. It, it's it's been great chatting with you. And and hey, we're going to keep the faith. I think by the end end of this, there will be concerts in 2020. If this all has to just work itself out and 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 smooth itself out and and we'll be good to go and we'll be rocking out like you've never ever heard before and I think the bands are going to raise their levels to heights where people never imagined because they want to play to it at the end of the day and I think that's really what it's all about it's about the fans it's about the bands it's about having a good time so that's kind of where I'm at with things and we just got to go with the flow be safe be healthy and just be smart at the end of the day. And Hey, we're all, we're all in this. It's a, it's a big team. It's a big community and we're going to get through this all together. And 
We're going to come out rocking on the other end, and that's really what it's all about. That, that, is, that is for sure. Well, fans, thank you for joining us on this week's show. And uh, like I said, later on this week, uh, I'll be releasing another show. Uh, but in the meantime, wash your hands. Don't touch your eyes, nose, and mouth. Cough or sneeze into your tissue or your elbow. And just stay home if you don't if you don't need to be out. Um, and just like you know, like like Chris said, let's take care of each other, and uh, we can get back to living life normal like we did in the past. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for another edition of the Benchbuster Show. Make sure you tune in each week and download us on your favorite podcast platform.